Hey, good morning. Welcome to Cultivate Church Online. We're so glad you're here with us today. If you're our guest, if this is your first time tuning in, we're honored that you're here with us. Before we dive into today's message, we're going to worship. So stand up, turn up the volume, and let's lean in together. Well, good morning, Cultivate Church. I am so glad to be with you again today online here at Cultivate Church. I want to say welcome to all of you who are watching for the very first time and maybe a part of Cultivate Church for the very first time. We want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're tuned in today. And church, I just want to tell you how much I love you. I think you're the most incredible church in the world. And not because of what happens um, in our buildings on Sundays. I mean, we have an incredible time, an incredible Sunday experience from the parking lot all the way to the platform. You all serve so well. But it's not just because of that. It's because of the things that people don't see. It's the way that you have been serving behind the scenes, doing things that some people will never know that you've been doing, but letting people know that Jesus loves them and we do too. That's what we call around here living life on purpose. And I am so excited as we begin to move forward out of this pandemic process um, that we're going to be able to be meeting again soon. And all this week, there's going to be more details coming to you about how we're responding as the church together. But I am excited today as we are in uh, week one of a brand new series that we begin today called What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do. And I think that is absolutely spot on for where many of us have been in this season. There have been so many questions about how do we respond? What do we do? Where do we go? Where do we not go? How do we pay the bills? How do we fill out the paperwork? How do we make sure we're doing everything that we need to be doing to provide for the family? How do we keep from killing our kids? How do we make sure that they're being educated? How do we make sure all of these things, how to do the things that we should be doing. So we're going to be talking all month about what to do when you don't know what to do. And we're going to be covering a lot of different topics that I think are very relevant in this season today. And I've titled your message, What to Do When You Don't Know What to Do When Your World Falls Apart. And I think in there's uh, for all of us, there's many different seasons, many different times where we could all probably say we have come to a place in life where it didn't go the way that we thought it was going to go. A pandemic shows up around the corner and you never really know, knew that it was coming. You never could have guessed. You never could have saw that something was headed your way. It's like the old saying that says you're either in the middle of something or you're walking out of something or you're walking into something. I mean, all of us are going to face trouble and problems and trials and situations and issues at different times of our life. And there's all of us who are dealing with emotional baggage and relational baggage and hurts and some habits and some hang-ups that we have. We have faced loss and disappointment. We felt betrayal by different people in our life. All of us have had moments where we lost a job or our career went south or there was problems in the family when our world fell apart. And so today, as we begin this series and we begin the next few weeks to come, as we talk about what to do when we don't know what to do, today we're going to focus on when our world falls apart. Your notes are there, available for download online. And all of this series is coming out of Psalm chapter 25, verse 4. And here's what it says. It's, it's, a, it's a prayer that I think you and I could pray together. And it says, show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. 
And I love this scripture. I love this statement. And that's why I say I think it's a prayer that you and I could pray daily because we live in a world where everything is subjective. In other words, what seems right for me, that's what I'll do. And what seems right for you, that's what you do. But this scripture points us to the one who has got all the knowledge and all the wisdom and all the direction that you and I should be seeking, and that's directly to the Lord. When we pray a prayer, show me the right path, Lord. If I'm praying for God to show me the right path, what to do, where to go, how to make decisions, how to navigate life when world falls apart, God's not going to lead me in a bad direction. He's not going to send me in the wrong direction. As a matter of fact, if you and I are both navigating difficulty together, if we are both seeking the Lord, He's not going to send us in opposing directions. God works in unity. And there is an absolute truth that is right for us as His people. And so when we seek the heart of God, He will point out the road for us to follow. The Bible teaches us that there's a way that seems right to us but in the end, it leads to death. In other words, just what I think I know and the wisdom that I have in my own self is not the wisdom of God. The Bible teaches that His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God knows more. He sees more. God doesn't see just in this moment. God sees the entirety of the scenario and of the situation. But just like you and just like me and just like our neighbors, many of us are dealing with scenarios in life where it feels like our world is falling apart. And I thought about this as I was thinking about everything going on around us. And I've been talking to many of you and, and hearing scenarios in your life and seeing things that you're dealing with and watching the news of the pandemics. And everything that kept coming to my mind was, was the old game Jenga. If you ever played Jenga, I can remember as a kid receiving this. this. This was given to me when I was probably 10 or 11 years old. I was a young kid when this game was given to me. And I can remember sitting around with family members on vacation as we would go to the beach or something. We would always pack, back then, uh, board games. And I know the lots have changed today. The board games maybe aren't as popular as they used to be. But I can remember having a lot of fun when this was, when this was set out for us to play. Because it was something that, to me, was was a, a quick. It wasn't like we're playing Monopoly. Some of you get excited when Monopoly is brought out of the box. I don't know who you people are or what you enjoy, but Monopoly can go on for days. But Jenga was something that we could play quickly. And many of you know what this game is all about. There's a, there's a stack of blocks here. They're divided in rows of three, and they're stacked in opposite directions, one on top of the other. And the whole goal of the game is that we begin removing these blocks and then restacking them one on top of the other. And it's me against you, and we take turns alternating making our moves. And sometimes, I don't know if you feel this way, but that's the way I feel in life. Like sometimes I make my move, and then the world makes its move against me. And the more moves we make, the more difficult it becomes. Now, when you start off in the game, many of you know the real sweet spots is, is, the, is the piece right in the middle. You can move that out of there, no problem, and just put it right there on top, and you're good. Because right there in the center, there's still enough support around all of these pieces that there's no problem. There's no, it's the, it's the, 
easy decisions that we make in life. I mean, we all have things that we do every day that doesn't seem that difficult or doesn't seem like it has that big of, of consequence or ramification. So throughout the game, we may spend a lot of time just moving some of the easiest pieces, just taking the ones that don't require a lot of risk. But then as the game continues on, you find yourself having to make some of the more difficult moves that brings it to a little bit riskier of a state. And that's decisions like we make with our families, like maybe when you decided to move out of your family's home or you decided to go into a career or maybe you decided to get married or maybe when you decided to have kids and you began to realize that some of these moves were easier than others. But the more moves we begin, the more we understand that it gets a little harder and a little riskier. And we're rocking along and we're managing our way until you realize that suddenly something you didn't anticipate, there was trouble at work, there was trouble in the marriage, there were problems with your children. And then when you begin to navigate these decisions, suddenly they were harder and harder. And the risk were more and more. Until you continue one after the other, making these small, tiny tweaks, making these small, tiny decisions to pull each and every one, hoping that the foundation was strong enough until it all tumbles to the ground. And so today, like, this game of Jenga, many of us are navigating those moves, those strategic moments that we're moving this one and that one, and we're feeling the effects over here as we move a piece over here until it becomes too much, too much stress, too much pressure on the foundation, and it all crumbles around us. So today, I want to talk to us about what do we do when we don't know what to do, when our world falls apart. I want to pray for you. Father, I love you. I thank you for this day and every person that is tuned in online. I pray today, Father, that God, that you would just meet us where we are, even in our homes, that there would be no, God, no distraction that would be a detour, Father, from what you want to do in our life today. God, that right now you would speak so clearly that nothing would be able to prohibit the message that you're speaking to us today. We give you ourself today. We open our heart up to you, our, our ears to hear, our mind to understand, and our heart to retain. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I have a process today, a three-step process process of what I want to give you through navigating this world when everything crumbles and falls apart around you. When you wake up one day and you realize that there are pieces laying all around you. And you can think back to the day that everything was in its proper place and everything was in its proper order and everything looked really well, really organized, and you thought you had it all figured out until you realized that you did not. And today we're going to talk about a three-step process of how to respond, three components of what to do when your world falls apart. And all of this is coming out of 2 Kings chapter 4. And it's about a woman who has found herself in a complete uh, nightmare of life. She's suffered loss and she's in the middle of uh, her world literally having fallen apart. 
And so in our scripture today, she goes to a prophet, one who hears from God and speaks on God's behalf. And she's crying out to him, asking him for for wisdom and for direction. And so number one on your outline, the first component of what to do when your world falls apart is the ask. Write that down. The first component is the ask. That's the first element or the first step of what we should do, how we should respond when our world is falling apart. Notice in this story, 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, it says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know he feared the Lord, but now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. So right there, just in this first verse, we understand the circumstance that she's in. Her husband served this prophet Elisha. He knew him well, but he has passed. He is gone. So now she is suffering this loss of her husband. She's feeling the pain and the loss and the grief and the anger, the disappointment, all the questions that we ask when our world begins to crumble around us. Why me? God, we served you. God, we trusted you. God, we believed that you were good. My husband was serving those in the ministry. He had dedicated his life to the things of God. Yet, unexpectedly, he has died. And because of that, now his debts are resting on my shoulders. And I no longer have the ability to take care of these debts. And because of that, debt collectors are chasing after me, and the penalty are my sons. See, in this day, if you could not afford to pay your debts, they would take the next best thing. They would come in and take her sons away so that they would become slaves so that they could pay back the debt. See, today, the first thing that she did is she asked. She went to Elijah, and I think you ought to underline that statement. She cried out to Elijah, asking, what do I do? There was a threat against her family in the midst of all of her pain and her loss as her world had fallen apart. We all respond many different ways. Specialists will tell us and psychologists will tell us and doctors will tell us that many of us, our first response is a fight or a flight. It's the response that we get when when trouble comes our way or when our world falls apart. We're ready to fight it out or we're ready to run away in flight. Now, when many of us will say, I'm ready to fight this out, sometimes that's good, but oftentimes we don't ask enough questions and we just begin the fight without wisdom. It's like this past Christmas, we uh, put together a a play table for Asher. He had a little table with two little chairs, and it was a Lego table. So one side was Legos, one side was for activities, and they had little drawers to store the Legos. And I got everything out of the box on Christmas Eve, and I just start putting it all together. And it didn't take long before I realized that I'm doing it all wrong because nothing is working appropriately. My wife, on the other hand, she gets the direction, she glances over, she reads, and within minutes she has put together perfectly a chair and then it has to correct the table that I have put together. Because my fight said I don't need the directions, I don't need to ask any questions, I can do this, I know what to do. Many of us are responding when our world falls apart without asking enough questions. Many of us have flight, we just run away. We run away from God, we run away from people. We try to run away and hide from the hurts that we have. 
But you have to begin to ask the right questions. And you have to begin to ask the right people. She went to Elijah and she cried out. Because often when your world falls apart, there are more questions than there are answers. And sometimes when we have more questions than we have answers, it's an opportunity for God to begin to speak to us. See, sometimes we need to ask before we have action. The more questions you ask, the more answers God can give. And so my encouragement to you today is to ask this question, to consider this thought in the middle of a pandemic, COVID-19, in the middle of loss, of family, of friends, of health, of finances, of security. When you're questioning God, where are you? God, if you're good, then how could bad things happen? When your spouse has walked off and left you, when your people closest to you have abandoned you, when you're facing all of these different things that would cause your world to crumble and all the pieces are on the ground, when your world falls apart, simply say, God, I know that you're good. Your word says that you work everything for my good. So in the middle of my world falling apart, God, what are you trying to teach me? We have to learn not to have fight or flight. We have to act in wisdom. We have to ask the right questions to the right people and to the right source in order to receive, number two, the answer. That's the second component to this, is the answer. Notice what happened in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 2 through 4. Elisha asked, what can I do to help you? And then he goes on a little farther. and He says, tell me, what do you have in the house? In other words, what do you have that is available? What is worth, what, what has value to it that we could sell to pay back the debt? And her response is nothing at all. Underline that word nothing. I love how this progresses. Nothing at all except a flask of oil, she replied. Listen, nothing is her first response. I don't have anything. Well, except that, that little flask of oil that is all I have left that would have been of value in her home. I have one flask of oil. But we need to understand God can do a lot with our little some of us get so caught up in the things that we do not have in the natural, what we can see and what we can understand. Oftentimes, God's answer does not make sense to us. Many times, we ask God a question with the answer already in mind. And if God's answer doesn't match ours, then immediately we lose hope because we think God doesn't understand where we are. What is in your house today? As your world is falling apart and it doesn't seem like anything is adding up, what is in your house? Your answer may be nothing, but then when you stop for just a moment, you may realize you still have a flask of oil in your house. What does that mean? Go on with me in verse 3. And Elisha said, borrow. If you can, underline that word, borrow. Borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors. Underline friends and neighbors. He told her to go and borrow empty jars from friends and neighbors. In other words, it, sometimes it takes more than just you to receive the answer. See, the answer that God gives oftentimes involves other people. Yet we isolate. We run away. 
We try to do it on our own. We get depressed. We get down. We get out. We get discouraged. And so we shut the doors on people who are around us. We say it all the time around here, so much so that many of you probably get tired of hearing it, and you already know what I'm about to say. Isolation is the what? That's right. Isolation is the enemy's playground. She could have easily hid in her home, locked the doors, closed the blinds, hid her sons, and said, we're going to wait it out right here. We're going to shut out everybody. But she went and asked the right person, the right question. And in the middle of this, he said, what, what have you got? What are your resources? Turns out she had something of value. So he says, go to your friends and get some help. Get some extra support. Gather all of the empty uh, things that you can get. All those jars, all those vases, all those. Bring them back in verse 4. Go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from the flask into the jars, setting each one aside when it is filled. Now, I don't know if you're tracking with me here, but that does not make a lot of sense. You have one small jar, just one small flask of oil, of value. And yet now she's being told to gather all of these extra containers, these jars and whatever she can get, bring them into her house and to begin pouring this one tiny small flask into all of the other containers. Doesn't mean, doesn't make, doesn't, doesn't make sense to me, doesn't add up. And you're thinking, God, you don't understand. I know what the Bible is saying. I know I, I hear the answer. I hear what the pastor says. I know what my, my, my spiritually solid, grounded uh, friends are saying. But God, that doesn't add up to what the doctor said. God, that doesn't add up to what my spouse just said to me. God, I just checked my checking account. I know what's in the bank. How could you ask me to continue to give and to be faithful in giving when I can literally physically see what is in the account? It doesn't make sense. We like things to make sense. But the answers we receive don't always make sense. I love to watch movies. One of my favorite genre of movies is a psychological thriller. And what I love about a psychological thriller is that you just never really know what's going to happen. I watched a movie with Johnny Depp years ago. It's what really, really piqued my curiosity and enjoyment of the psychological thriller. It was called Secret Window. And he was a writer, and he had gone away into a cabin to write. And throughout the movie, he's writing this novel, and then there's someone that's out trying to kill him. And, and like many of these movies, you're following the plot line, and, and you think you've got it figured out. You know who the killer is. You know what the twist is going to be. And like any really good psychological thriller, when you get to the end of that movie, you go, I never saw it coming. Usually there's a flashback that goes back through every scene where you can see all of the puzzle pieces connecting themselves together and you're going, why didn't I know it? How could I not see that coming? Wow, now it all makes sense. You're watching it as a spectator. The author, the script writer, the actor already knew all the details. They knew the end from the beginning. 
Can I tell you today that in the middle of the circumstance, when your world is falling apart, God knows the end from the beginning. What to do when you don't know what to do. When your world's falling apart, you stop and you ask. You ask God, God, what are you trying to teach me? What are you trying to show me? What does your word teach me? Father, I pray that you would, you would show me the right path. Show me the right road to take. Let me walk in wisdom. And then number two, you, you, you have to take the answer that you're given. You have to be able to receive what God says to you. Don't fight it. Don't try to understand it all. Don't watch it and try to figure out the end when you're only a quarter of the way into the beginning. Just enjoy the ride. Well, my world has fallen apart. What do you mean enjoy the ride? Can I tell you that when we are in the most panic, God can provide the most peace. When we are the absolute most lost, God is able to come in and give us the most love. God works best in our weakness. That's what the Bible teaches us. That when we're weak in our weakness, He's able to do much more in that than when we are at our strongest. When your world is falling apart, God is always faithful in His answer. And then when you ask and you get the answer, number three, the third component, is the action. Notice in verse 5, this is what she did. She got a crazy answer, but this is what she did. She did as she was told. Underline that statement. She did as she was told. Why is it not working for me? Why is my world falling apart and none of this seems applicable to me? It is because we do not do what we're told. We say, well, you don't understand. God doesn't get it. Nobody gets it. I'm going to do it my own way. Obedience opens the door to blessing. That's right, to blessing. We say it all the time around here. She did as she was told. So at that moment, she had opened the door for blessings to come into her life. She did as she was told. Her sons, check this out, kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. They kept bringing containers as she had this little flask of oil, and she's pouring that out. They're still needing more containers. They keep bringing them to her, and she filled one after the other. Soon, every container, underline that if you can, every container, every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to her sons. And they replied, there aren't any more. They're all full. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. Verse 7, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the olive oil and pay your debts. And you and your sons can live on what's left over. Underline that statement. You can live on what's left over. God's miracles are always more than enough. Because she acted in obedience, she took the action to do what God had instructed her to do. She opened the door to blessing because of her obedience to walk into the miracle that God had provided, only to learn that God's miracle is always more than enough. 
Every container was full to the brim. And not only was she able to pay her debts, not only was she going to be able to, to suffice those who were needing from her and prevent her children from being taken, she was able to take care of that and continue to live provided for her family. God's miracles are always more than enough. But I want you to notice something else because many of us like to get to this point. This is the thank you Jesus moment. But I want you to notice something here. Elisha told her, now pay your debts. Don't take your blessings and bolt. Don't do it. We are all guilty of receiving from God, taking from Him, and then running away. We got it on our own now. We're taken care of. We don't need to pray like we used to pray. We don't need to ask like we used to ask. Our, when, our, when our world isn't quite falling apart anymore and we're able to put these pieces back together, well then suddenly we don't need Him like we did. And we're guilty of taking our blessing and bolting. But God was instructing her through Elisha to go and pay your debts. Listen, often when our world has fallen apart and God brings restoration, we accept the restoration and we reject the one who brings the restoration. And so today, on that thought, this is what I want to encourage us and challenge us to do. Maybe you're watching today and you feel like your world has fallen apart. You literally feel like you're in the middle of everything around you crumbling. Maybe you're in the middle of a restoration moment and you feel like you're coming to the other side. And my encouragement to you is, is don't forget who brought you the miracle. Today you may still be in that moment where all the pieces are still on the ground. Well, I want to encourage you today to ask God. Let Him speak to you today. The more questions you ask, the more answers He can give. If you're willing to ask and listen, God will bring you an answer. And God will always give you an action, something to carry out. If you're willing to commit your faith and commit your hope, to commit your trust in Him and do what He's called you to do through obedience, He will open the door to blessing in your life. Pastor, are you saying it's just easy? Nope. There will be many scars. There will be many tears. There will be many hurts. There will be many obstacles that you may have to overcome. We're not promised a perfect, easy journey. But we're promised that God would be with us every step of the way. And so today, here's what I want to pray. I want to pray that if you're struggling in this journey today and you feel like your world's falling apart, that God would begin to help you today to walk out this process. I want to pray for you today, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that today would be your day, that you could say yes to Jesus, that you would be able to commit your heart and your life to Him. And I want to pray for those of us who are on the other side of this and you feel like every piece is being reconstructed, that you would continue to give all the worship, all of the appreciation to God, to the place it belongs. So Father, today, I love you. Thank you for this word of God of direction and encouragement for us today. A word of correction that God maybe would put us back on the right path today. It would bring us some wisdom of what to do when our world falls apart. Father, I pray for my friends today that if there will be one 
who does not have a personal relationship with you, that today would be the day. We ask you to forgive us of our sin. Father, anything that separates us, remove it so that we can have relationship with you. Thank you for your forgiveness. I give you my life. I make you number one in my life, and I choose today to walk and live as a Christian, to learn to love you and to live for you. Thank you for loving us. God, I pray for all of those who feel as though their world is falling apart. God, may we ask you, may we receive the answer, and may we take action, being obedient so that we can open those doors to blessing. And God, for every one of us who experience your faithfulness, and we all will, may we never forget your faithfulness to us, and we always give you God, the honor and the appreciation, the worship that you deserve. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in today. It is our hope that you're able to meet with the presence of the Lord. And if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, there's an email on your screen or you can click the link in the chat below and just let us know about that decision. We'd love to send you some information on some next steps that you can take. We'd love to pray for you and let you know that you're not in this journey alone, that we'll be able to walk those steps with you. And if you do call Cultivate Church home, you can continue in your worship and your giving. There's three different ways on the screen for you to be able to do so. And we just wanna let you know your giving has been tremendous throughout this time. We've been able to keep serving and help our community and help those all over the world. So thank you so much for being a generous church. And just want to remind you this week to reach out to someone, let them know you're thinking about them, check on them, and let them know that they're not alone during this time because we're not meant to do life alone and we are much better together. And we will see you back here next week. Yeah.